Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. There's an is in here. Beautiful goal. Walcott! What a goal! It's been flicked in by Alexis Sanchez. A quality goal Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of Monday the 7th of November. I'm your host, Russell Hargreaves. Coming up on this week's jam-packed show, we hear from the brilliant Hector Bayerin, as well as from Olympian Shelley and Fraser Price, who talks about being an Arsenal fan. Adrian Clark is back for another stint at the chalkboard. We'll also kick off with a weekend review where we're joined by both Nick Brumsack and Dan Roebuck. When the match is over, they're still talking. Right, but what are you doing? To me, what am I doing? What are you doing? Sitting here at 8.45, waiting for you. Well, you know. Oh, get out. It's the Weekend Review with Dan Roebuck and Nick Brumsack. So Dan Roebuck and Nick Brumsack join me for uh, a double edition of the Weekend Review. Who could ask for more? Guys, how's it going? Yeah, well, thanks, Ross. Yeah, very good. Thanks, Ross. Um, We'll start, I think, before we look back at the North London derby, let's just recap a quite sensational goal from Mesut Ersel against Ludogorets in the Champions League in the week. If anyone didn't see it, didn't hear it, here it is. And the flag stays down this time. This could be the winner for Arsenal. Ersel, beautiful skill. He must score. Still Ersel. Well, that was quite remarkable. But Mesut Ersel looks like he's won the game. Well, that is a gorgeous finish from Mesut Ozil. Wow. The pressure was on. We're in the dying moments of this game. But you would never have known it. 1v1. You want players like Mesut Ozil on the ball. And wow, he, he just kept so composed. Lifted it past the keeper. And then he didn't rush his finish. Does enjoy playing against Ludogorets. He's timed his run beautifully. It's a terrible decision to play offside. The keeper's in no man's land. And here, oh, he stays so cool. Leaves two defenders on the seat of their pants. Look at that skill. That's delightful. And Arsenal haven't played brilliantly in this game. But it looks like they're going to win it thanks to this moment of magic. Great goal. So, so important. Um, Dan, I'll start with you just, you know, paying homage to what was such a a fantastic strike. Yeah, it was one of the best I've seen. And it was a crucial goal as well. He's so graceful in possession, isn't he? And I think that goal and indeed his performances this season, if not last, but certainly this season for me, have really sort of killed the myth about 
one or two pundits suggesting that he's not world class. I know people have been talking about that recently, and he's such a terrific performer. He was anyway before he came to Arsenal, but the goal itself was utterly sublime, wasn't it? You, you wondered how he was going to do it, what he was going to do it, every little twist, every turn. You know, the style was terrific. PlayStation football, I've heard it called. It, <laughs> it was just sensational to watch. And, and, you know, a key goal as well in the context of winning the game and qualification to the next round of the Champions League. And it was just an absolute privilege to see him do it. And Nick, one or two myths about Ozil over the last two or three years. You know, doesn't cover enough ground and he's lazy. The stats don't in any way reflect that and also you know goes missing at key moments and I'm not entirely sure that's true and again this is a classic example of it not being so. Well if you look at his stats actually I mean, people have said he goes missing in, in big games but he scored in both games against Man United last season, he scored against Chelsea, he scored against Liverpool, he scored against Tottenham um, and he's assisted against most of those clubs as well so I think it's a, a pretty lazy bit of journalism really to, to say he goes missing in the big games. Yesterday I, I, against Tottenham, I didn't think he had his, his best game, but he still made that, that crucial uh, opening goal, didn't he? And what for me is the most impressive facet of his game at the moment is that he's adding goals. You know? and, and Arsene Wenger has said he, he's a killer in front of goal now, and it looks like he's taken that on. He's much more efficient now than, than he was before. And even last season, where I, I thought he was excellent, he was contributing basically solely through his assists. And you look at it now, I, th I think he's got seven goals this season and four assists already, which is not bad considering we're, we're at the start of, of November. So it's good to see him flourishing and hopefully now we're, we're going to see him have his best uh, season in an Arsenal shirt. And yeah, can I, can I, uh, yeah. Nick, sorry, Ross, sorry to running. Can I just ask Nick, because I know, I know Nick's pretty close to, to Meza. Has he been asked by the boss to play in a different way this season? Is he getting in those goal-scoring positions because of something tactically that Arsene Wenger wants him to do. I know you've spoken to him uh, at length on a number of occasions this season. Is it, is it something that's been asked of him or just something that he's doing himself? Well, I think he's helped by the fact that Alexis Sanchez has, has played up front for yeah. the, the vast majority of the season because he drops in. He, he's almost like a, a false nine, isn't he? Because he can make the play as well. And that means that there's more of a responsibility on the likes of Ozil's and Theo Walcott and Alex Werby as well to get beyond him. And we haven't really seen that with him before because for much of his time here, he's played with Olivier Giroud in front of him, which means that there's more of an onus on Mesut to create the chances to get the ball into the box for, for Olivier, you know, with the, the heading ability uh, in particular that he has. So um, it's interesting you mentioned that, Dan, because I did speak to him uh, last week on, on Arsenal Player and he mentioned that the boss got him in at the start of this season. He brought him into his office and he said, I want at least 10 goals from you this season and I think that he meant just in the Premier League there and he's got seven in all competitions already and for me he just seems a lot more deadly now you know he seems like he's really got the bit between his teeth he's become a leader of this team and it was interesting actually because Per Mertesacker said very similar um, in the, his matchday programme notes before, before the Tottenham game he kind of said that he's taken it on now he wants to drive this team forward he wants to be the difference and I think we're seeing that certainly this season so far. And guys, one more on this I was just going to mention is it's so key, isn't it, that players like Mesut or that Alexis Sanchez do sign on and stay for longer at the club and continue to be this real driving force that not just brings the best out of everyone else here, but again, hopefully tempts more marquee players to then come and just add to this really burgeoning collective. Yeah, absolutely. There, there, is, there is no doubt about that. Two key players, two world-class performers. I don't think there's any doubt about that. We've talked about Ozil. I think, for me, Alexis... He's up there as well. Let's not forget what he's done with Chile over the last couple of summers. He's uh, led them, of course, to glory in, in Copper America. He's adapted to, to a new role. I'm sure he's played 
um, up front before for a previous side, maybe not for Barcelona, um, but I'm sure he's played down the middle previously. We saw him when he first came to the club play the odd game there. This season he's been terrific. And as Nick pointed out before, he's got the other players involved. Whenever you see Alexis, who always wants to get involved in the game, drop a little deep, you see Nils will get forward. Walcott in particular, even the likes of Oxley, Chamberlain when he's played, and, and Alex Awobi as well. So it's key that those two players stay. Uh, uh, why would they leave? I think they both sense that something special at Arsenal is going to happen this season. OK, let's move things on a little bit then, guys. And I think we'd all agree that, you know, certainly a well-earned point minimum for Arsenal against Spurs in the North London derby at the weekend. But not everybody quite on it. One or two players perhaps a little bit laboured, a little bit lethargic by their, their best standards, Nick. I wonder if Champions League again had a little bit to do with that. I don't know. Well, possibly. It's the second time in succession that Arsenal have gone into a, a home Premier League game having played in the Champions League in the week and not won. Um, that might just be a coincidence, but I just felt that yesterday, and this was the most disappointing facet for me, that they just lacked a little bit of drive at times. And maybe that comes from physically being tired, you know, but then Tottenham had also played in, in midweek too. So, you know, it's a, it was a disappointing result from the perspective that Tottenham were missing out of IRL, they were missing Deli Ali, Harry Kane it was his first game in, what, six to eight weeks or so. And when Arsenal got pegged back when it went to 1-1, I thought, right, let's go for it now. And it just didn't really happen, you know. And you can't blame the manager at all because he made his substitutions nice and early. He got Ramsey on, he got impact players on like, like Oxlade-Chamberlain, like Giroud. And to be honest, it didn't really happen for any of them. And if anything, I actually think that Arsenal looked better before the substitutions were made because, you know, Alex Werby perhaps didn't have his best game, but I thought Coquelin was excellent in, in central midfield alongside Jacker. And in the end, they just lacked a, a little bit of, of that cutting edge um, and that drive in the last 20 minutes to really force the three points home. OK, one of the key moments of the game was, of course, the penalty that Laurent Koscielny was adjudged to have uh, given early in the second half away. Um, let's hear from the boss just talking about that decision made six minutes into the second half. We have to live with that and I wouldn't say that is a, it is an excuse. And uh, even if we are in front, you know, it's a small difference after 11 games. It's very tight. Does it surprise you that, that, that basically maybe there was a lack of sort of intensity or ruthlessness in, in the final third in, in a game such as, such as this? No, I felt uh, we were quite dangerous in the first half a lot and we created many dangerous situations in the second. But uh, uh, I felt we gave absolutely everything. Uh, but uh, we looked, we're not as sharp physically as we can be uh, uh, in the final part of a game. Also, why did you think the penalty was harsh and do you think Wanyama was fortunate not to be booked? Maybe. Wanyama was? Wanyama was, was fortunate not to be booked maybe three or four times. He was very lucky to stay on the pitch today, of course. I think the penalty was harsh because I sit, from where I sit, it looked harsh. Didn't look uh, dangerous to score, didn't look any deliberate foul from outside, uh, you know. After uh, even speaking to the, some referees, you can give it, you cannot give it. So personally, being manager of Arsenal Football Club, I prefer not to give it. <laughs> Dan, that's Arsene Wenger on the penalty decision. And what was your take? Harsh or, or perhaps by the letter of the law correct? Yes and yes, I think, to that. Um, uh, in real time, I thought it was very harsh. When you see it again, there is contact. Um, and I, I guess the referee complete within his rights to point to the spot. It was a bit disappointing. 
Um, but I, I guess it was the right decision, really. Uh, Pedacek still not set the penalty uh, in Arsenal colours. Uh, Harry Kane uh, rarely misses them, does he? Um, so, I, you know, I, I think it, it was a bit frustrating, but I think we, we've got to suggest that it probably was a spot kick for me. Anyway. And on the balance of play, Arsenal, I think we can say the better team in most of the first half. Spurs probably in the second. Uh, a fair enough result that, that both will try and take the positives from when we re return in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so. I, I, the one thing I think spooked Arsenal to a certain extent, and we talked, we, we just talked about the likes of Ozil getting in behind and, and Alexis dropping a little deep and, and, and Walcott getting forward. You know, Spurs played three at the back. If you look at the average position uh, map for the Arsenal players, we saw uh, Alexis sort of peel off left a little bit as if he wanted to play against uh, Eric Dyer, who's the right-sided central defender of, of the three if you like, for Tottenham. And it's something we've not come up against that often. There wasn't as much space. There's more onus in getting your full-backs forward. And I think it was just a pretty performance. There wasn't a lot of chances. And as Nick says, you know, you, the, the way that Arsenal responded against Sunderland, against Lodegoretz, you know, I, I thought we were going to kick on and, and, and create more later on in the game. As it was, Spurs fans are going to turn around and say, well, you know, what about the fact that Ericsson hit the post. What about the fact that Czech made the same from the save from the Dane and Janssen, you know, completely missed his kick inside the penalty area. So they they will come out of that game with positives. I think we should as well. I don't think we can get too down about it. Tottenham are probably going to be around the top four come the end of the season. So we can't get too disheartened. We're still unbeaten. Let's finish then, guys, with one question each moving forward from here then. International break upon us and after it, Nick, we should have a key player for me. I've mentioned it before on the show, Santi Cathola back and his impact will be crucial. One or two others hopefully as well. It's going to be such a hectic November and then December as well, isn't it, Crikey? Yeah, it's nine games, I think, in the space of a month coming back from um, the international break, starting, of course, with Manchester United away. And if you look at that month between November and December, in those 30 days, Arsenal have to play away at Manchester United, away at Everton, away at Manchester City. I think um, in that period of time, we're going to see how serious this team is about its title credentials because, look, they're very difficult games, but we're 16 games unbeaten at the moment. And if you want to win the league, from those three away games, you need to take at least six points. So very interesting to see what happens. Very interesting as well to see how Arsene Wenger uses his squad available because at the moment now we're seeing a lot of depth there. We're seeing the likes of Ramsey was, was of course on the bench. Kozola was missing in midfield. Mohamed Elneny didn't get on either. So plenty of options and plenty to ponder. And I'll leave the final word with you, Dan, just on that Manchester United game a fortnight away. Uh, that could be a big definitive step, couldn't it? It could be, but Jose Mourinho's come out and, and started talking about players who don't want to play for the club or whatever his latest round was. I've no idea what he was talking about after Manchester United beat Swansea yesterday. Surely when your, your major signings get on the score sheet, you should just let the result do the, 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 the talking. But look, it's always tough at Manchester United for Arsenal. They seem to raise their game. They've got some talented individuals. They're not performing as a unit. There's always a lot of pressure on Arsenal away from home at big clubs because there is a feeling, I think, amongst pundits that Arsenal are just a slip away from reverting to type to what they see it as. But I think Arsenal is still going to go there with confidence. As long as we play our game, we'll create opportunities. If we're ruthless enough in front of goal, we should come away with three points. Dan Robert, Nick Bromsack, loving your work, boys. Thank you very much indeed for coming back onto the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Always a pleasure. Cheers, Ross. Thanks, Ross. Speak soon.
One player who continues to turn heads in Arsenal colours is the brilliant young Spanish right-back Hector Bellerin. Bellerin's been speaking to the Arsenal Weekly podcast about his form this season and also his thoughts on being Arsenal's speedster. Uh, Heck, welcome to the Arsenal Weekly podcast, mate. Um, you've had a good start to the season so far. You happy with your form? Yeah, to be fair, I'm happy with my form and I'm happy with the team's form. You know, I think uh, after not uh, the best start to the, to the Premier League, I think the, the team picked up the form really quick. We saw in pre-season that the, that the team is ready, that uh, we have really good players and the team has got together really well. So we knew the results were going to come and, you know, we're really happy with the with the, the form that, we, that we're in right now. Yeah, but you personally, I mean, you were fairly consistent towards the end of last year. You seem to be performing at a very high level. It just continued on from an outside perspective. How have you felt about it? Yeah, I, I, to be fair, I think, I think last year was the, the year that I kind of had to be consistent. You know, it was my first full season, so I had to make sure that, to show everyone that I can do it every week in, week out, you know. So this one being the second year, it's not only about playing every week, but also performing at a high level, you know. And at the moment, I'm, I'm really happy about, about my performances. But as I say, it has to be a team thing, you know, because it's the team, if the team is not well, it's really hard to play well yourself. So it's really, really great to see that the team is in such a good connection at the moment. And, you know, even we've played some really, really hard games, but we've been getting good results. I think playing really good football, defending really well. So I think at the end of the day, the personal performance always is linked with the, with the team performance. Yeah, but you're playing all right. Yeah, I'm happy. But it's a very Nacho-esque. Is Nacho someone you look at and go, man, that, he's consistent. He just doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, he doesn't, yeah. In summer, you got called up to the Spanish national team. Just how big a deal is that? How big a boost was that for you? Well, um, it was it was pretty unexpected as well. You know, I was I was driving my car to Spain because uh, I wanted to have my car over there. And just halfway through the trip, they called me Hector. You called up with the with the first team of Spain. You know, there's a few players that still have to play the Champions League game, Champions League final. So you're only gonna come for some training. So I was really excited just for the fact that, you know, I was gonna share dressing rooms with like my idols, you know, people like Casillas, people like Iniesta. So just for that, I was, I was actually really, really happy. But, you know, then when, when uh, Carvajal got injured and now I was, I was the, the, the next right back in, in there at the moment, you know, I can't say I was happy for the fact that he got injured because no one, no one, no one's really happy about another another teammate getting injured. But the fact that I could have the chance to to play in the or to be in the Euros, to be part of the team, and and you know in and around those players, it was it was such a boost for me because only from the training sessions, there's there's so much you learn, there's so many things that so many situations that maybe you're not used to in the training sessions we do here and stuff like this. So. I learned a lot. It was a great experience for me and I was really, really happy to be there. More than just a great experience, you told Steve Aoki when you were talking to him that it was a dream. Is it like a dream when you're with the guys like Iniesta, Casillas, all that? Yeah, because I always um, I always remember like when I was a, a little kid being at my grandma's house and watching Spain playing in the World Cup and watching Casillas on goal when he was, when he was young back then and, and you know, at that point, it's like unthinkable that one day you'll be sharing a dressing room with him, you know. So, for for us Spanish people, he's been probably the the greatest goalkeeper in 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 history. So, you know, for me, as I say, it's a dream come true, and it's not only him. It's obviously Iniesta. It's people that you look up to, especially when I was at Barcelona. He was like one of the people that that one of the players that every single um, uh, player in the academy had. A- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Example with, and, and you used to look up to every single game, doesn't matter what position you, you played, because at the end of the day, as a person, is also an example, you know? So he was always one of the people that, that you wanted to be like him. So. Just as I say, just training with him and, and sharing a dressing room and, you know, being there with him. It was a highlight of my year, definitely. Well, I can't have you on the podcast without talking about that Pedro tackle. Uh, as viewed a million times on Instagram, I was telling you before we started recording. Do you watch it back? Are you a little surprised you got him? Well, I, I kind of watched it back a few times because it was, it was everywhere, you know, everywhere I'll go. I went on the social media and anything I could see. And I mean, I think that all the players do do other things, you know, like you got Granite scoring goals from like 40 yards. You got Messi doing the, the stuff he does every single week. So, you know, that that is my thing kind of thing, you know, and I'm, I'm really happy that, that, you know, I got to that tackle and, you know, he, he wasn't clear on goal, but that's that's why I'm there for. I'm a defender. I need to try and defend my best. And, and you know, um, I'm glad that people enjoyed it as well, you know, because that's what football is about. It's also about people enjoying the way you play. So, you know, I've, I've seen it quite too many times maybe, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm happy that, that you know, it's reached that, that target on his side. So I know you're happy about it, but yeah, yeah, yeah it was good, it was good. Um, did you think you were going to catch him? Just as soon as you saw him, you're like, oh man, I got this. I mean, I mean, I think the, there's so many players that when, when they see another player just way in front of them, they don't really try and catch them. They're like, oh, I can't do it. I always, I always try, even if it's too far, you know, and I was lucky that time that, you know, I could get to him and, and I could save whatever situation that was going to be. Um, last one, are you, are you over the hype around the whole speed thing now? You keep catching these guys, it's kind of your trademark, but then again, there's a lot more to you than just that. Yeah, I mean, um, I, it's, it's good, it's a, it's a way to, to put yourself out there when you're young, you know, like the, the, the new speed guy or whatever, however you want to call it, but I think, I think the, the, there's more to it than, than just speed, you know, there, there's so many things involving uh, my role in, in the team apart from speed, but I mean, 
I'm, I'm happy with it, I'm happy that, that I can help the team with it and you know, I'll do it as many times as, as I can. Thanks for your time, Heck. Thank you. And it's Adams, cut through by Bold! Would you believe it? Or Charlie George, who can hit him. Oh, a great goal! It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On the 9th of November 1997, Arsenal beat Manchester United by three goals to two en route to a historic Premier League title win. Well, the Gunners raced into a two-goal lead inside just half an hour, courtesy of goals from both Nicholas Anelka and from Patrick Vieira. Overmars. Gary Neville getting back goal side and helping block. Anelka. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Nicholas Anelka's first for the club. Adams trying to get free at the near post. Berg got ahead to it. Vieira. Oh! It flew in! Patrick Vieira. Schmeichel, perhaps surprised by the shot. Certainly the pace of it. It went up and over him and in off the bar. Teddy Sheringham levelled the game before half-time and that set the stage for David Platt to win the game with this most memorable of headers. Winterburn's corner. Platt! Well, David Platt who's been on the sidelines for so much of the season, is centre stage now. A perfect header. Arsenal would go on to do the double over United with a 1-0 win at Old Trafford later in the season as they completed a memorable Premier League and FA Cup winning campaign. Shelly Ann Fraser-Price is a two-time Olympic 100-metre gold medalist and she's also a massive Arsenal fan. Good honour. We caught up with Shelly Ann on her first ever visit to Emirates Stadium and she was pretty excited. I am super excited. Last year I came and I was like wrecked coming here and seeing the stadium but I didn't actually get to go in. So today I was just thinking I was going back to my hotel and I passed the stadium and I was like oh there goes the most beautiful stadium ever and we are turning in so of course I am shocked I was excited I'm really it's just a beautiful day today really excited and I um, lost for words yeah <laughs> so tell, tell me about being an Arsenal fan how did that all start uh, I have no idea I think in 2006 or 2005 I was in high school when it all started and of course I loved Thierry Henry and all my friends were teams and I was like yeah I like the Gunners because of Thierry Henry and then I've been watching since then and I owned my first jersey when I was I think 2008 so I still have it up until this day and I've been just following from that day yeah. So I guess well you've got Arsenal in London and London must be a very special city for you as well. No it's very special right now it's very very special like I mean I've been here like many many times for trap meets mostly I've never been here for vacation but just for meets and it's weird that I've never been to the stadium because I'm one of those persons who when I come for a trap meet it's just a trap meet I'm here for so I'm totally zoned in so today to be able to come you know 2012 was the Olympics and it's so odd that this year is the Olympic year as well so I'm really really excited so this 
will bring me all the luck and the glory so I can feel it you know and I dressed the part it was weird I woke up this morning and I actually wanted to wear red shoes as well and I didn't I don't know why but you know I thought that was the energy sending that I was actually coming here so I'm really excited to be here the chalkboard with Adrian Clark so Adrian Clark joins me at the chalkboard. Clarky, no game this week. Obviously, it's the international break. So we're going to have a few different questions just to mix things up on the chalkboard. How are you? I like that. Yeah, good, good idea. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm a little bit meh after the North London derby. It was um, a match we all hoped would turn out differently. But uh, if you can't win it, don't lose. And I think actually that point isn't too bad. I would agree with you there. So many of the injured players, I'm pleased to say, another positive thing from Arsenal's point of view, are coming back, which is good. Should yeah. have a lot of them back by the return of the next international break. So back five, I think we can say pretty much picks itself. Could you pick your ideal other six members of the starting Very 11? Very good question, Russ. I like it. Um, does the back five pick itself? I'm not sure it does. Um, Kieran Gibbs might have something to say about that. He's got to be pushing... Nacho Monreal, pretty One close. great block by Monreal during the oh, game at the weekend. Look, Monreal was back on form in the North London derby. He was very solid, but Kieran Gibbs has been doing all right. And um, and also, when Per Mertesacker's fit, I think it'll be interesting to see what, what the manager does with Mustafi. I think Mustafi will keep his spot, but I don't think it's um, totally you know, uh, set in stone that, that that back four is what it is. And Ospina's playing well as well whenever he gets the chance. Oh, anyway, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, you want me to talk about the front six? I think it's a really interesting question. Um, Koch, any, there could be a number of permutations here. It's, it's a very tricky situation. I wouldn't want to leave too, too many players out and whoever you do leave out is a good player. What I will say is that I think there could be an opportunity moving forward, or I'd like potentially to throw it out there. What about a little change in system, a little change in shape to accommodate our best players and to maybe try something different? Okay. So with that in mind, I, I'm thinking 4-4-2 four, four, diamond or a 4-1-2-1-2. Okay, bear with me. Um, so I would, I would, I would say that uh, Francis Coquelin is our best defensive midfielder. So you have him at the base of the diamond. Either side, how about... Santi Cazorla and Aaron Ramsey, because I, I think both players I would like to get in my team and I think they would suit them yep. playing in a midfield three with Ozil in that free role at the tip of the diamond. And then I'm saying, Theo Walcott you go, you, and, and Alexis Sanchez, you mix things up up top. You run around, be fast, <laughs> drag your markers here, there and everywhere, which is what they want to do anyway. All shapes are fluid and nothing's set in stone, but if you can get those guys on the pitch together, in that kind of shape, that, for me as a fan, would excite me. And I'd be interested to see how they'd fare because you'd be solid down the middle, you'd, get, you'd have a lot, of, a lot of fluid movement and you could have the width from Mesut Ozil, he goes wide, Aaron Ramsey will go wide and the full-backs, of course, provide plenty. That is the thing, though, isn't it, Clark? You'd need the fullbacks to push on. No problem whatsoever for Bayern, but not quite as much Monreal's forte. I just wonder if it might be a little bit narrow. It could particularly be. Particularly down that left well, hand side. Well, that is the argument against it. Can I give you mine? Yeah, go on. I would stick with the current mm -hmm. sort of 4 2 3 1. Yeah. I'd mix it up. I'd actually have, I think, Xhaka and Cthola yeah. as my two sitting okay. deep. Fine. You maybe don't have the real ultimate enforcer in there. Yeah. That's a slight concern, but I'd have those two. Three in front of that. I'd also give Alex Iwobi a little rest for yeah, a while. Yeah. I think I would go Ramsey in that more forward position mm. along with Ozil and Walcott. Mm. 
and then Sanchez up front. Yeah, no, it's a good team. Look, it's good to debate these things. Alex Iwobi, I don't want to leave him out at all. I just think he could do with a little bit of a rest yeah, of the moment. I don't want to actually leave out Granit Xhaka. I think Xhaka and Coquelin are pretty neck and neck, really. Coquelin gives, gives you uh, maybe a bit more mobility in the middle of the park. But Xhaka, I thought, was excellent in the North London derby. And, he, you know, he will want to continue in that role and can develop. It's hard to leave anyone out. We've left a lot of good players out, including Olivier Giroud. OK, so, like that one. Good <laughs> thoughts there, Clarkie. Now, can you please rank your best goal of the season so far? Yeah. I'm going to give you the following options, all okay. right? Koscielny's strike against Southampton. Xhaka's mm. against Hull, which I had the pleasure of commentating mm. on and was a corker, but it was when they were about four up or something. Ozil <laughs> uh, Chelsea and Ozil Ludigaretz. Mm. <laughs> Again, we've been blessed with some good goals this season. Yeah, yeah um, terrific. Uh, in, all of them in their own way. I'd probably put the the Koscielny overhead kick maybe in fourth. I think it was a really good overhead kick. Uh, instinctive, nothing wrong with it at all. But but yeah, I, I'm going to rank that fourth. Özil against Chelsea was a beauty. Um, that would probably come in at third. It was, if you remember, it was that full length of the pitch counter attack. Yeah. Lovely dummy on Conte, and then and then he was away, wasn't he? One two with Alexis, job done. Um, Loved watching that. I think Granit Xhaka comes in at two. It's a thunderbolt. Um, skill level-wise, I think there are a lot of players that are capable of leathering the odd goal into the top corner. Now, Granit Xhaka's got, got all sorts in his locker. He's a top player. But um, it's the kind of goal a lot of players could probably score. Whereas Ozil's against Luda Goretz, I would put as number one, purely on the basis of it being poetry in motion. <laughs> and... It was just so nice to watch and so it was such a goal where the, not every player would have been able to score. Uh, the way that Ozil made the run was great. The lift over the keeper for me was the magic piece of skill and then the composure to leave two defenders in on the seat of their pants was, was, was wicked. Loved it. Uh, I, I, I've watched it over and over again, I, I've got to admit, and I probably continue to watch it from time to time. Um, so, yeah, that gets <laughs> top smart. What about you? I... I think I agree. I do love the Xhaka strike. It was just the fact that obviously it was a dead game. Mm. I don't know whether that should matter when you consider the quality yeah. of a goal. Because in one sense, the ultimate kind of few seconds of the goal should be irrelevant, I guess, if you're judging it on that. But that parameter to me of what was on the line in that game against Ludo Goretz, that goal just having such a key consequence yeah. moving forward that I think probably edges it, I'd yeah, say. it matters. I think it does matter that it's important. OK. Right, concluding little question for you here. Okay. Uh, which player, Clarkie, is poised to break out and play the most prominent role in the team over, let's say, the next couple of months, between Christmas or just after, end of the New Year period? Yeah, such a difficult one because you can't see any youngsters coming in from the cold to shine. I mean, you could obviously look into the crystal ball. You never know with injuries and whatnot. So I think you're probably looking at a senior player that maybe hasn't been involved as much of late coming back into the fold and making an impact. So I think the two guys that probably stand out are Cazorla and Ramsey. No, 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 not breakout players, mm. but Cazorla we've missed, I think, and I think we're all eager to see him back in there. And when he comes back, I expect him to make a massive difference to the team, just adding control and quality in the middle of the park. And I do think Aaron Ramsey, even though he's feeling his way back in, he wasn't on top form, 
when coming off the bench against Spurs. But I do think he has a part to play because he will break into the box. He will try and score goals. He will add energy. And we know that the manager loves him. He will feature prominently in the next couple of months, injury permitting. So, yeah, I think those two guys can make an impact. Only other one I'd throw in potentially is Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain because I yeah. do think he's looking sharper, fitter, mm. more confident mentally. I think for, for whatever reason he could get a little run, I think he might do some I damage. hope so. I hope so. I think Theo Walcott is, has got that place now down at the moment. But if he has a dip, um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's got a chance. Obviously, it, within the shape as well, there's a chance Oxlade-Chamberlain could come in for Iwobi on the left. Unfortunately, he didn't have the best cameo appearance against Spurs, Alex. He, yeah. he, he messed up a couple of passes and crosses, and I think he'd be frustrated with that. So he took a slight backward step. But yeah, he can come good. And uh, look, if he, hits, if he hits top form, everybody's going to be happy because he's a great player. And fixtures coming thick and fast all over that festive period, which often gives these players a bit more of an enhanced We chance. will need everybody in our squad between now and the new year. It, we always do. You need to rest and rotate. And we are bound to have, un unfortunately, one or two injuries. So these guys haven't seen a lot of action in recent times they're going to be utilised and it's down to them to hopefully grab the opportunity. Now, Adrian, he's been busy overseeing some very heavy-duty decorating <laughs> back at home, but I'm pleased to say that Mr Roberts, Liam Roberts, the editor, the pro, the man in charge of the Arsenal Weekly podcast, joins us on the line now. Yeah, good morning, fellas. How are we? Morning. All right. Yeah, How's all... it all going? Are you uh, in charge? Kevin, everyone working earnest? Yeah, I'm making tea at the moment. Turns out they're Arsenal fans as well, so I figure if I give them a quick mention, I might get a discount. <laughs> well, if you want to bring them on between now and the end of the podcast, they're very, very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, it's high time we got uh, our teeth back into our prediction competition. Yeah, so last week I asked for an aggregate score between the, uh, the Ludogrets and the Tottenham games. Adrian, you said 3-1. Yep. Russ, you said 4-1. Um, obviously no one got it right, but Adrian was slightly closer, so uh, Adrian picks up a point. Oh, <laughs> that is so close. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of, uh, I don't know, oh. not, dis not dissent from Russell Hargreaves, but he's not happy. But I'm pleased <laughs> you've seen sense, uh, Liam, to, to just give me it on goal difference. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, so it's, I would say it's getting closer, but it's not. You're still miles behind. How many behind so, now? Um, I make that 10 points to four in Russell Hargreaves' favour. So you need a few more of these points. Come back, son. Oh. What is it? What, what do they what say? They say don't let, yeah, don't acorns, let me win. trees grow. This could be your little little green shoot of recovery, Norman Lamont style. Oh, yeah, I think no. it, I think it should be now. Don't let me win the next one, and that's going to that's going to become Adrian's motto for the next few weeks. <laughs> now, do we have one because of the international break, or are we taking a pause? No, but I've, I've come up with uh, something that's not going to be result dependent. So, we spoke about this a few weeks ago. Um, we all like a good chant. So um, I'm going to set you a, uh, a little chance, uh, not, not a prediction, but a question. I want you to invent a new chant for a player who hasn't got one. Ah, OK. Um, I'm going to set the player. So my, my favourite player is Nacho Monreal, and I've never heard a chant for him in the stadium. So I want you to set a chant or a song for Nacho Monreal, and we'll judge it next week. Wow. That is superb. OK. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, yeah. very happy. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm bang up for that. Clark, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to put a warning as well. I'm going to put a warning to the listeners. If, um, it might be advisable to switch off this time next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, there could be a huge spike in listenership, potentially. Clark, you know, I do have previous from uh, another thing we do together of having a chant off. So um, we're ready. We're ready, Liam. Good work. OK, nice. so, uh, yep, I look forward to this next week. Liam, thank you very much indeed. And, uh, Clarky, 
No rest for the wicked. Will there be a breakdown in the coming week despite the international break? Absolutely, yeah. Just about to record the Spurs breakdown. But yeah, we will do something during the international break. It hasn't been uh, decided upon yet what the subject will be, um, but there will be a feature. So uh, yeah, you don't miss out in international week. As ever, well worth a look. And Adrian, as ever, thank you for joining us on the chalkboard. Nice one, mate. Well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks as ever to Adrian Clark, as well as to Hector Behrend, to Shelley and Fraser Price, and to our deadly duo of Dan Roebuck and to Nick Brumsack. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes, leaving us a five-star review in the process, then you'll never miss another episode. You can also find us on Acast these days. We're back on Monday, the 14th of November, and until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gunners. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.